stepping back and stroking two. Bogdanovich thinking about a three. There it is. Yes! See it again. No double team help and Embiid takes it right to the rack. going on everybody it is saturday february 5th it is a brisk 20 whatever degrees here in uh where, where i am in the greater philadelphia area i'm joined this time by a pal of mine a known jason tatum enthusiast and fan um tiago scavia tiago how are you today i'm doing well man Jason Tatum is back in the uh, All-Star game, so I'm excited about that, <laughs> especially with guys getting passed up left to right. So uh, yeah. good for him, man. It's good for Jason Tatum. And we're here to uh, to solve the Sixers' problems like, you know, the zone defense. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Um, I, if, it, if it had been my vote, I would have never put Jason Tatum in the All-Star game this year. I would not. Uh, yeah. Drew Holiday is the first name that comes to mind. I don't know if you had anybody else in your – Drew Holiday, um, Lamelo, okay. uh, there were a couple others I forget, but yeah, I wouldn't even go on like Siakam, which I don't oh, even. Yeah. I'm not even a Siakam fan, but you watch Toronto, I think he's has a bigger impact on winning than than Tatum does. I don't know about you, but I uh, I wouldn't have gone Siakam. I probably would have gone Lamelo, or something. Makes like sense. That. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyway. More important things. Sixers are one and two this week thus far. Um, and they beat the Grizzlies on Monday. They beat or they lost to the Wizards on Wednesday. They lost to the Mavericks yesterday. Um, and I was at the, 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 the Grizzlies game, of course. And um, when that game ended, I like turned and I was like, do I have to thank somebody for letting me watch this game in person for free? <laughs> like, yeah. like, like what a terrific, what a terrific game that was. That was probably their best win of the year. Um, it was an incredible performance. Just both teams going back and forth. Um, and the Sixers were equal to the task. And then some, it did need an overtime session, but um, what stands out to you about John Moran? Uh, he is, a one of the most unique talents I've seen the Sixers play in a very long time. Uh, you know, he is a flawed basketball player in many ways. Um, obviously, the outside shooting is something that sticks out right away. Uh, he can still get very sloppy with, you know, his passes. But I am probably haven't seen a guy this dominant at the rim at his size uh, since perhaps like Allen Iverson. Right. So you think about Iverson being so small and so, you know, undersized, but still being able to finish at the rate that he does at the rim is just extremely impressive. And we all know how great of a defender Matisse Thibault is. We've seen them on a regular basis. Uh, Matisse Thibault didn't even look like he belonged in the court against John Moran one on one. And I think that gives you like the general idea of the type of player that he is. I think that. Memphis is set up to be a powerhouse on the West. I think that they need to figure it out some pieces around them, but 
they got two foundational guys, him and Jaron Jackson Jr., I believe are both going to be star players, superstar players in uh, Morant's case. So, and I'm very excited to watch him moving forward. I think the Memphis is one of the top teams in the West. And I thought that the way that the Sixers handled that game was exceptional. And I thought that this was Maxi's like calling card as a Sixer. I mean, that was the game where you left and you're like, wow, Maxi has now, he's here to stay, right? And that's what I felt like coming out of that game. So I don't know what you thought about it. That's how I felt uh, on that night. Yeah. Um, I've never seen anything like John Moran before. Um, I was too too young for, for like the PAI years. Um, I saw like Derrick Rose. I saw Westbrook. Um, but nothing like John Moran. Like he is so shifty and he can turn on a dime and he can fight through contact and he's creative. Um, and when he jumps off the floor, it's like there are jet packs in his shoes. Like there are spirits that are greater than human strength and power that lift him to the rim. He like jumps out of the gym. Yeah. Just insane. Um, I've never seen anything like him before. I think he scored his points basically all on free throws and jump in layups from what, yep. from what I, what I remember. Um, but that was one of their best wins of the season. Um, there was one concern though that I, that did arise for me for that game. Um I don't know if you noticed this, but they were doing a lot of like pick and roll with with either Ja and uh, Bane or Bane and somebody else, whatever the case. But they knew the Sixers were switching, and so they were like, "Well, I want to get Maxi on Bane or Maxi on a bigger guard or a bigger wing, and then let them go to work." And so you're going to have a switch scheme with Maxi on the floor. They're going to go at him basically all, all of the time in the playoffs. Um, and they're just going to shoot over the top of him. No matter what he does defensively, he's not big enough, uh, at least not yet, where he can really, you know, keep up with the size of, 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 of bigger wings. And I thought like he had some good defensive stands, got down and got down and, you know, really dug in and, and, and stayed in the airspace. But at the end of the day, they are able to shoot over the top. And I think that's, that's, that's problematic that's something that's going to be happening. Um, something's going to happen, you know, over the course of, uh, you know, the playoffs when they get to po- opponents that have more wings, have, um, you know, have, have, have shooting guards. Yeah. I mean, I saw a little bit of that. I mean, you point out in our chat afterwards, and I try to pay attention when we watch the game. Uh, Memphis is not a particularly great shooting team, especially yeah. with John Moran. So I thought that. You know, we've talked about this in the past is why not just switch it up? So throw a little zone here. We saw what zone did the Sixers last night. But the Sixers don't really seem to have a lot of change up in their scheme. I mean, maybe you see it differently. I see a lot of personnel changes. So, you know, if, if Tybo's not working, I'll put in, you know, Danny Green or I'll switch up matchups. But from a scheme's perspective, they seem to be pretty set up on the, how they defend pick and roll and how do they switch. So, you know, I... You would like to see a little bit more scheme versatility. And when the Sixers tried to play the zone a couple of times, it looked very disjointed. I didn't think like it's something that's very cohesive that looks like they practice a lot of. So maybe they're a little bit hesitant to do that in that game. But yeah, I mean, they have to look at alternatives because the way that Maxi's trending, um, he's trending like a player who you want to have on the court late in the game offensively. Um, but you need to have solutions for him defensively because like you said, he's just a very small guy. 
and you know teams like Brooklyn, right? Kevin Durant, they're gonna call for the switch every time, and it's gonna be it's gonna be an ugly sight. So yeah, I mean they have to find alternatives there. I, I've never been fond of <laughs> Doc's defensive uh, versatility, but yeah, it was, I guess Memphis is just another example, like you said. Yeah, and I think it is like a lot of it. Uh, a lot of it is personnel, and like they don't really scheme against what defenses what offenses are doing they map they kind of just say like, this is what we have find a way to beat it the team's like okay i do think like they're short a couple guys so oh yeah we can talk about it later on but you know you look down the line of the nba uh, poll i mean they have to add size on the perimeter and size that can contribute offensively not just like a charlie brown jr who can just go in there grab a couple rebounds and that's that so they're all turns them into a dress at the deadline where I think are going to help with that. Guys who can play late in the fourth quarter, who are going to defend, are going to have size, and uh, are not going to be just, you know, devoured defensively like Max usually is. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think, like, getting Shake back is going to help, right? Um, I, you know, uh, I don't even remember who's out anymore. <laughs> um, the, 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 that'll, that'll help. But, like, at the end of the day, he's not playing uh, Paul Reed. Um, he's not playing Jaden Springer. Um, so I mean, those are like two theoretical guys that can defend and are agile, and he won't do it. So, I mean, was there to say? Um, he did it early the year with Paul Reed, right? Remember those games against uh Milwaukee and Chicago? So, Reed defended Giannis and DeRozan a few times, yeah, yeah. like complete zero, yeah, so. true. Yeah. Um, I will say, like. I understand why they don't play him, but I think that that's in part in the fact that they should play him more. Um, but moving on to the to the Wizards game, that was a, an annoying game to watch just because you felt like they had a bunch of opportunities to win that game. It didn't have to be as close as it was. Um, but they kept them around, obviously. And that was an especially annoying game because you look down the road, like they have Dallas on Friday, Chicago Sunday, and then Phoenix next week. And I think with... The uh, the Wizards, I think like one, a couple of things really stood out to me. Number one, namely, like they went with George Niang late in the game, and I get yeah. you didn't have like Curry there, who isn't a better defender, you know, by any means, but he's a better shooter. But um, they went they went with Niang late in the game. In crunch time, teams are going to isolate their best guy on Niang, right? And they're just going to bully him and 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 blow by him and. The Sixers had to have either succinct, immaculate backside help rotations to to cut off that dribble penetration, or they're going to get cooked. Yeah. Um, and they don't have those backside rotations; they're not they're not great at that. So that's going to be a problem too. Come playoff time, is if they're having to play Niang crunch time minutes because someone's out of the rotation or someone's you know out of the game. Yeah, speaking of backside rotation, I don't know if you pay attention to Tobias Harris. He's, like, terrible at that. I mean, he's always a step late. He, like, hedges towards the corner when the guy's going up for a dunk. I'm like, Tobias, he's going to dunk the ball. Like, you got to protect the rim, my friend. Uh, yeah, it's it's not very connected. I saw the same thing. I thought that, you know, for having Noyang out there defensively, if you're shorthanded, um, then you have to make it work offensively, right? So he's a good shooter in general. And I thought that they left points on the table by just putting him out in the corner, right? So if you go back and look at those last five minutes of that game, like crunch time, 
they were trying to run a lot of maxi and beat pick and rolls, pick and pops with Niang out of the corner. And I, at that point, I think to myself, I'm like, if he's going to be out there defensively and you're going to get burned, then why not have him run pick and pop with Niang instead of Joe? Because he's just a better shooter. Like Joe had an open three, he kind of bricked it. Um, so I thought even offensively with Niang out there, they left a lot of points on the table. Uh, which, you know, when you talk about the points that it beats defensively, it's a, it's a tough math to add up. But, yeah, I thought that the Sixers didn't show up for that game. I thought that they, uh, they did a terrible job stopping dribble penetration. You see guys who are quick uh, just can get in the lane very easily against this team. And, like, Kyle Kuzma, man, like, he's a guy who has gone from, like, overrated to very uh, underrated. And I see what he does on the ball, and I compare it with the Sixers have with Tobias Harris. And I'm not saying, like, Kuzma is a better player than Harris, but, man, like, that's it's right there. <laughs> and then the money is just not there. Yeah, I mean, listen, I think their helps habitation as a whole are not great. I just think that they have so many holes up and down their defense, like, in terms of guys that can't move or guys that are too small. Um, it's a big problem. And I thought last night like that was a problem as well. Um, <clears throat> like they, you know, they, 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 late in the game, they have Thibault. Well, they had Thibault on, on Luca like throughout the first half. It was like he was anchored to, um, he was anchored to Luca. Yeah. <laughs> he was anchored to, uh, anchored to Luke. Anchored your, to Luke. Guy, your guy, Jalen Brunson. There we go. Um, so with that, like, yeah, late in the game, they had Danny Green guarding Harden, which made no sense. Luca, you mean Luca? You're you're already you're already thinking about Harden right now. You're already like in Harden land. Do you know something we don't know, Austin? Oh my God, it's been a long day. It sounds like you know something that we do not. We'll get to that later. Um, (laughs) They had. Danny Green on Luca late in the game. And what that illustrates to me um, is that they know they can't play Thibel extended minutes in the fourth quarter because he's just not bringing enough on offense. And even if they do play him in those minutes, it has to be um, is, is, it, ha- it has to be like they're up a lot or they have control of the game. But when they're trailing in a game, they need some momentum. I think Doc kind of said, like, I can't afford to have a, a guy that's a non-entity on offense on the floor right now. unless. So I agree with the general sentiment. Here's where I kind of disagree, right? Because you were tied to Tobias Harris late in, the off, late in the game. And for what he gives you offensively late, it's a lot of isolation, like very average output in isolation. And he does not really shoot from distance the way that you like defensively he's kind of a net zero at best right now he's not really moving the needle defensively so do you keep Thibault on the court and perhaps look at Tobias as a guy to switch in and out because he's not giving you that offense that you want from a guy in isolation so you know you have Max you have Joe you maybe get on the shooter like Isaiah Joe for instance I'm just using that as an example now you can have Thibault on the court defensively and, you know, you can play those matchups late in the game. I think that you – now, I get why he wants to he, – he, Harris is one of the guys that he trusts. Harris makes a lot of money. He should be out there. But maybe they want to play it around with that a little bit because I'm not seeing the stuff late in games from Harris. 
And as a result, guys like Thibault, who add a lot to your defense, have to get pulled out of the game. So, you know, I just I, – I, I, there's more to play around with there, I, I think. I agree. I, I agree. So, like, he stalls your offense because he's a ball stopper. I also feel like he's one of the best, like, automatic buckets from a certain distance. So, like, 15 feet, 16 feet out, 14 feet – um, they, you know, he's a he's like one of the only guys in the team that can get those buckets there. Like, think about it. Throughout a game, is there the, the, Joel may be the only person more reliable in that in that spot? Would you agree? I think Curry's Curry can get that. Now nah, Curry's more like the seventeen to eighteen foot jump shot guy. Yeah, but what's the difference? <laughs> 14, 15, 17. Just get Curry as your secondary guy and get another shooter so you can play these. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I listen. Like, you need to have better flowing offense um, than what they had last night because last night was a disgrace. Um, and certainly, a zone a zone is not the place that you want to have <laughs> indecisive guys. I mean, if I had to see like one more Tobias pump fake and drive, I'm gonna be like, dude, stop it, just stop it. What if the shot's there, take it. If it's not there. Um, take it like take two steps in and then get the ball moving, but don't dribble nine times. So, you're an X and O guy, I'm not as strong as X and O as you are. But when I saw them attack that zone for the most part, I saw them doing five wide, moving the ball around without a ball handler, and they're just moving the ball around the perimeter. And then it ends up on like George's Niang's hand with like two seconds left, and he tries to like go off the dribble. And you know what that what happens after that. So I didn't see them try to like flood one side. I didn't see them try to set any screens. I didn't see them try to swing the ball and penetrate with a ball handler. I saw none of that. So I don't know if you saw things different than I did, but when Doc goes on the podium and says, oh, we usually do well against the zone. They don't. They're 20th in it's like like 20th in zone offense. Like it's awful. I'm like, that's just not true, man. We watch the games. Like you're just not true. Yeah. No, it's 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 disgraceful when he when, when that happens. And uh I I, I they just had absolutely no answers. And it isn't even like um it 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 isn't even like they have solutions that are just waiting around and like in uh, that are injured. They have Shake Milton, who's not a great shooter. <laughs> they like, like, like there's no unless they go to the buyout market route or they trade for a shooter at the deadline, there's no um Savior coming through that door now. Harden has been pretty good against the zone this year. He's averaging like over one point two points per possession against the zone. The catch being, he's only seen thirteen possessions worth the zone this year, so it doesn't really hold weight um, in the way that you would like it to. Um, but I mean, like, listen, they need number one in the zone. It should only be Joel at the free throw line. Like, stop with this high low shit when there's no there's no spacing. Um, you know, Joel should be at the top of the free throw line, catching that ball high and turning and pivoting. If there's an ISO to be had there, go for it. Um, if there is, you know, a pass that you made, he's made passes this season at a much higher clip. In a mid-range jump shot, take it. Like, there's no reason for them to be this like stagnant in a zone when you have a a heliocentric center who can do a bunch of different things with the ball in his hand. So you're not a fan of like the high low with the bias, the free throw line. 
<laughs> trying to throw a lot. I'm fine with it if it's not like Tobias is right below the free throw line and Joel is right above the ball. Like, so, that two feet of space isn't helping anybody. There's like seven bodies in that little area. And Tobias trying to float a pass, being a terrible pass that day. It's just like, wow, it's not going to work out. Yeah, man, it's a bad news because we all watch the East and there are a few teams who play the zone very effectively. Uh, Miami, one of them. Uh, Toronto is also a team that's very effective with their zone. Teams they've been may face in the postseason. Uh, and then you got Milwaukee, who like they don't really play a zone, but they play that like packed in style uh, defensively. They just kind of pack the paint. So I'm interested to see what they come up with as solutions. And I'm not sure Doc and his staff is churning up the film to try to understand what's going on with their with their zone offense. I feel like it's just like yeah, just go out there and pass the ball around, and somebody's going to get open shot or. That's what it felt like last night. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, all, all they need is just guys who are not going to be tentative in shooting. And um, I th- feel like against the zone, like, they get so stagnant with their movement because they're so unsure of what to do. Yeah. Um, and so it just, like, poses major problems. And, like, it doesn't look good either when – George Nian goes on a podcast and says, uh-huh. "Yeah, Doc doesn't work as that hard in practice." It's <laughs> you know, a good look when you have a weakness that you literally cannot beat on a game-to-game basis. Um, so and- I get the physical part of it, but the film stuff. Yeah, and I don't know what happens behind closed door, but the film stuff needs to be happening, man. You can't just you know take a whole week off of just not practicing at all because this stuff shows up on film and it's not that hard to point it out. Yeah, no, for for, for sure. And I and the problem with their guards is this: like they don't have big guards unless they got Harden. They don't have big guards. They have Steph. Or no, they have Seth. Sorry, Tyrese. They have Shake. Um, but and they have Furkan. But if this was Ben, you had. You know, guys that you know could make entry passes against the two three. Yeah. If a team feels like okay, they're starting to make entry passes at a higher clip, we're gonna go to a three two, and really take away that that passing angle. Yeah. So that's a personnel thing. The size, um, the the zone offense is is gonna is is obviously a big problem as we've said. Um, and and you know, like the switching on on guards, and even if even if like you do make those changes, you, you get like a guy or two. It's not going to solve everything. And they also have problems with off ball screening too. If you if you notice, Reggie Jackson was not Reggie Jackson. Reggie Bullock was getting wide open corner threes last night because the Mavericks were setting a ton of flare screens, and Curry could not get through them. Other guards cannot get through them. You could even switch those screens. That way there's no space for Reggie to really move off the ball. But that also means you're going to have like Curry or Maxi posted up against a screener, which also is not a good matchup either. So they, they lack size in the perimeter. They lack agility and athleticism. They lack a, a go-to option against the zone offense. It doesn't matter how good Joel is. There's a finite ceiling when you have those when those weaknesses. And don't even get me started on the rebounding. Rebounding is a whole different issue. I mean, how many games have they already lost this year where they couldn't hold a team to one shot on the final possession? I mean, Seth had a beautiful defensive stand against Luca where he stayed on his feet, didn't get up in the air, didn't bite the fakes, and Luca threw up a Hail Mary 
at the rim and it just barely grazed the rim. Yeah, it was just what ball watching. And stuff. Yeah. And this was when it was only like a four point game. And then someone snuck by Matisse to get the offensive rebound. Yeah. And then Luka had a three point play yeah. to make it a seven point game. So yeah, the athleticism is, is an issue. Uh, I wrote about this. I think that they should go after Gary Harris out of Orlando because he. He pops very positively on guys who defend off screens. He's one of the top metric players at that that particular metric. Athletic, uh, shoots well from distance. Last year of his contract in Orlando, I'm pretty sure they can work something out. Rebounding, I wrote about Kenrich Williams from OKC. Very good player, size defensively. You can play him late. He does a lot of good things late in games. So they have alternatives for personnel. If they choose to go that route, it may cost them a little more than what they're willing to pay, but you know, depending on what they what they think about those players, they should go after them. Uh, but then still, like even still, the coaching aspect of it has to come into play, and the rebounding part of it. I mean, you see it, Austin. I mean, the ball goes up in the air, and Niang and Matisse are just looking at it. At what point do you just box somebody out? I Never. Mean, just, I mean, just get on somebody's body, man. It, I, we all play basketball at a very young age. And I don't know what they're getting thought because one of the things he told us is box out. And that does not happen with the majority of this roster. It didn't happen with Ben Simmons out there either. They literally lost a playoff series against Toronto because they couldn't grab an offensive rebound uh, late in that game. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's very frustrating, man. Just very frustrating. So, you know, they can get players out there. They're going to help. But if they're not getting coached to do certain things, then it may not even matter at the end. So. Yeah. No, for, for sure. So let's move over to the elephant in the room. Um, James Harden, according to Shams, is now available um, on the market, and they are expected to entertain conversations with uh, the Sixers about Harden, which um, is – Basically, in line with what I've heard all you know for a while, um, and you know, I, I a lot of smoke, a lot of smoke in the air, a lot of contradicting things. Most recently, I heard that Joel wants to keep the team intact, so they might wait until the summer for a trade. Um, however, I will say this: Harden has a seventy million dollar incentive to ask them to trade him to Philly now instead of waiting until the offseason. Reason is, if they trade him to Philly now, he can still sign the Supermax extension in the summer, which would be the five-year deal worth 270 about. If they wait for the sign-and-trade option this summer, it's a four-year deal worth about 200 So there is incentive for him to say, you know what, just get, just get me out of here, please do the trade. And then they say, all right, fine. We'll get you out of here. Um, additionally, I've, I've heard that Brooklyn is getting quite tired of the situation. Right. So, 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 so we'll see where that goes, but um, Harden would certainly solve a lot of their shot creation problems. <laughs> he would. And he's a top 15 player, top, even bottom line, top 10 player. Uh, there is no question. I think in my mind, he puts the Sixers, probably as a favorite to win the East. Uh, you know, maybe if KD comes back healthy, who knows? Uh, Milwaukee's still up there. But I think there's no question he would make the Sixers a favorite. I'm not so sure about winning the title. 
Uh, I will say this. Uh, when you watch James Harden, it is not the same player that we're all accustomed to watching. So uh, whether that's... By the way, it's fine. Like It's fine, right? I'm not... You don't need him to be an MVP candidate. You just need him to be a a, a t- top twenty player, top fifteen player, which he can be. Yeah, and he still is this. I think this year, borderline top fifteen. I think top ten. Um, but there are concerns, man. I think that if you're if anybody's expected James Harden to come here and be that player that he was at Houston and for the Sixers to be contenders for the next five years, I don't see that. Uh, I don't see the same physical player uh you don't have he does not have the same lift it shows up with how he finishes at the rim it shows up at how he's shooting overall as a player on the ball so um i think they can ride the, the hardened wave this year for sure next year but i would be very concerned about if they were not to win the title in the next uh two seasons where that would leave the sixers moving forward now granted you know if that's the move to make it's kind of a no-brainer but it feels to me as an outsider that that more is chasing a little bit of his uh his white whale uh and i think he may have a little bit of like uh narrow vision when it comes to how to make this thing better and the reason why i say that is you're gonna get all the you're gonna get all the all the uh the, the i guess it's probably a small boat but this um but the uh the pro more Pro Ben people, I guess there aren't many pro Ben people left. I guess they're either all anti Ben pro Mori or they're pro Ben anti Mori. I don't know, but yeah, I mean, I'll I'll say this, like, I'm I'm not sure where Sacramento stands with the Halliburton situation. If I was Sacramento, I would not trade him. Uh, but to me, if if I was Mori, that is a move that I would prioritize. I think that we watch Halliburton very closely, and the way he's trained as a player. I think that he can slot in next to Joel and extend the Sixers window, not for just one to two years, for five or perhaps even more years. So um, that's a move that I would make. Um, SGA in Oklahoma City, again, I don't know if these guys are available or not, but these are the type of players that I would be looking to bring in with Joel um, because I, I just see that harder situation being a very short-term thing uh, and going very, and the potential goes south very fast. So. But again, you know, if that's the move to be make, it's kind of a no-brainer. It's just don't expect uh, the same player. That's, that's all I'm saying. Um, yeah, I mean, I think what we're talking about here is like, is he a top five player anymore? No, no. Um, if he decided to like take care of his body for once, maybe he can get back into that top fifth, top ten conversation. But I think right now he's like a consensus top 15 player in the NBA, which if you have an MVP candidate in Joel and you have uh, a top 15 player in the NBA, who's also a ball dominant shot creator and who can get you 36, 15 and 13 triple doubles, um, you're in a pretty good spot. And all they need is guys who are willing shooters, which I don't know how hard and getting hard and affects that, but they need um, the, you know, they need those shooters, but <clears throat> Part of me wonders, like, part of me wonders, like, you know, are, could this be a Chris Paul situation where he was like, everyone was like, this is the worst contract in the NBA, um, and there's like a rebound, 
<laughs> yes, he gets to a different situation. There's yeah. a massive rebound, and he comes like, and people were like trying to smart outsmart themselves and calling him an MVP candidate. If that's the case, I think the Sixers are going to win multiple championships because I think at that point the Sixers, with the way Joel Embiid plays, it's kind of a no-brainer. But I'll tell you, I tell you who should love the idea of a uh, of, of a of a Harden trade. Brooklyn, obviously. no Embiid, um, because think about how not only will he not have to carry a heavy load anymore on offense, yeah. they're going to run pick and rolls, and he's become a better screener. They're, they're, it's going to be like Harden throwing him these beautiful passes, them manipulating pick and rolls, him diving and getting easy buckets. Yeah. Um, and on top of that, they're going to live at the free throw line. And B's going to be able to play like an entire halves without subbing out because they're just going to get like, they're going to take turns getting fouls and fouls and fouls. That's going to be, they're going to have like a 32 free throw half. <laughs> Inter- entertainment value may go down a little bit, but they're I'll all. I love covering it though. It'd be great. <laughs> I, I will say this. Uh, Ben Simmons, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving is about as perfect a fit as you can probably ask. What? And ben Simmons, Kevin Durant, oh, Kyrie yeah. Irving in the division, assuming these guys play, um, that is a tough team to beat, man. So you're trading within the division. There is a little bit of risk, especially if they build around Ben and KD moving forward. So it's not just a slam dunk that the Sixers win that deal, in my opinion. Yeah. Well, so I actually had this debate in the Discord chat last night. My my, my thing was, what is a better or wh- what wins up seven game playoff series? Embiid, Harden, and Maxi, or Durant, Simmons, Irving? Assuming Irving is back. Yeah, if Ben, I think the Brooklyn still has a better chance. Uh, especially they figured out a, a way to work Ben in their offense as a screener roller. Uh, his defense is obviously we all know what that looks like. So I, I think- agree better set up uh, but maxi has i think maxi has a little extra level to his game which could swing the Sixers' favor uh, moving forward yeah yeah um so my my guess is that right now they're they're haggling over maxi or Thibel versus picks in the whole harden scenario um, would you give up Thibel or Maxi? Uh, Thibel. Yeah, it's really a con- Are you kidding me? <laughs> what are we doing? <laughs> what are we doing? It's a, I saw the same question being asked on Twitter, and I saw the results, and it was about 25% of the people would give up Maxi, and I don't know what they're watching. <laughs> yeah, no, they're not. They're, those are the people here, like, buddy. <laughs> You gotta stop watching basketball, or you gotta start. You gotta stop. You gotta stop like trying to follow basketball because it's not working out for you. If you, if you I mean, look, well, you gotta stop following like Matisse Thibault's uh, TikToks or whatever, man. I mean, the guy's a charismatic player, but newsflash: the videos are edited. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the guy's a generational defender, no question. But you can see how perimeter defenders can get kind of schemed out of the game, and uh, offensively, just not improved, man. Just hasn't happened. So I like the player. I think that I would make him untouchable in certain situations for sure. But uh, if he came between both of them, it's a no brainer in my mind. Yeah. Um, I will say this like the thing that Matt about that about uh, Thibel that is just insane to me that never stops being insane. Um, his ability to recover 
off of a broken play or like off of a gamble is unlike anything I've ever seen. Yeah. Like the other night there was a, there was like a breakdown and I forget who was shooting, but this happens all the time. And it's my bet. It's the best way you can tell. Um, best way you can tell people aren't paying attention to the scouting report is when players will think they have a chance of getting the shot off as Stiebel is like five feet from them. Yeah. <laughs> because he can recover off the broken play, turn around and get back to you and swat the ball. Like yeah. not even like a, a slight fingertip. It's like a full hand on the ball and, he, and yeah. it's, going, it's, it's out of bounds. Like his recovery time is, un, is obscene. I still think he profiles probably a little bit more like maybe a Covington type, although his play against Steph Curry back yeah. in like December was was like unlike anything I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. Um, that was that was certainly not Covington. That was Ben Simmons shuts you down defense, which is I think is I think is something that the Sixers have to consider. Like if you trade. Tyble, you're really leaning all in on the offense of like yeah. Maxi, Harden, Embiid, and your defense is not going to be great beyond Embiid. It's going to also put more taxing. Um, um, no more more taxation on Embiid's body because yeah he has to do more on defense. Of course. Um, Whereas if you do the the maxi deal, you are forfeiting upside in the future, um, but you're also retaining some of your defensive identity. So yeah, I will say like Harden defends size better than a lot of players at his size. Though. So he's able to defend the post pretty well. You still see a lot of that in his game. So he's a very strong player. So I think the Sixers kind of win. Like you saw last night, like Danny Green, Luca posting him up. It was. It was a murder scene. Uh, that was that hard was, on the stretch. That was like I was. I was. Thinking, I wrote this in my column. I was like, "What are you doing?" No, nah, it was bad. <laughs> like, you can, Denny Green, he does a lot of good things defensively, more off the ball late in games. But you kind of see he's kind of shot. I don't know. I maybe see it different. I, I kind of physically, I think he's he's a step slow. Uh, another step slow. He wasn't particularly fast last year either. Uh, but he, yeah, he can defend size. But yeah, I mean, dribble drive. They have a nightmare to defend. So. Uh, but I think again, I think you can get those guys at the market. I don't think those guys I mean, are very hard to find. I think a team full of like C plus, B minus, B defenders is probably better defensively by a large margin than a team that has one, two, two extreme plus defenders, and the rest of it's just like C plus defenders. I mean, we saw last year the Sixers had three elite defenders. Um, and they got bounced by Atlanta. I mean, there are other things that play in that series, obviously, but you like, saw their defense. Was like, like, a, like, a, like a guy passing out of a dunk. <laughs> yeah, but even if we go on defensive end, like they could not stop Trey in certain moments of that series. So yeah. saw their defense was just kind of like, you know, neutered uh, by perimeter offense. So, I mean, granted, if you lose Thibault, you lose a lot because you're already missing on Ben, but I feel like they bridged the gap. And to me, if Harden and Bean – Tyrese, that's a top five offense, no question. Well, I'll, I'll say this: like they're going to be able to manipulate pick and rolls like no other. If you go under, Harden can shoot it. If you go over, Harden can beat you off the dribble, or he can fling to Maxi 
and Maxi can attack a closeout. Yeah. And if the big if someone messes up the shut up shut up the drive, that's fine. You can dump it to Embiid for a dunk. So, um, yeah, I mean those are those are all things that you know I think play into this. I don't know that I'm ready to consider them the favorites in the East, um, but I think they would obviously jump into like consensus Eastern Conference finalist. I think is probably what I would say. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think that I mean, I, I've seen a little bit of Milwaukee recently. They don't look good at all, man. I don't know what's going on over there. Uh, and Brooklyn, if they get KD and, and Kyrie back, uh, they're as good as anybody, but I don't know what Kyrie's situation is going to be at in the postseason. It doesn't sound like he's interested in getting vaccinated at all. So uh, I don't think KD can do this thing by himself. Uh, so it's wide open, man. It's wide open. Like, it's a shame. It's a shame that Ben Simmons does not want to play for this team because I really think that if he did and found the role, the Sixers would be favored this year. I, th- I really think that. I think they're a much better team than they were last year, um, but they're missing a massive piece on the roster right now. And if he just came back and played, at the, does what he thinks that he knows what to do, the Sixers could be a finals contender, man, and it would flip the narrative around Ben. You know, I think the crowd would welcome him if they, if he played at a level that he knows how to play. But it doesn't seem like they're they're interested in that at all. <laughs> so. Yeah, I will say this: like one thing I can say for sure, um, teams that win championships are often a top five-ish defense, and sometimes the offense can lag behind that a little bit. But defense typically wins you championships. Um, and if they give Maxi up, or if they give Thibel up, they're gonna have like a, I would say, anything from like a, a middle tier defense to a below average defense, even if their offense is better. Yeah. Um, so you're playing with fire a little bit there. We've already we already saw in Houston the all offense, no defense thing kind of didn't work out. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but obviously when you have Embiid as your rim anchor, you're going to be a, a, an okay enough defense. It's a matter of can they sort of defy the theme of, of, of how teams or how champions are formed. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they, they can develop defenders in their system, man. And I really hope they, you know, second round picks. I know a lot of these guys don't work, work out, but, you know, you see a lot of second round guys who come in as defensive first ball stoppers. We're seeing a couple of these guys this year. So Herb Jones and Ayo Dusomo, two guys are doing very well defensively. You know, you can develop these guys in your system. You don't have to spend a high asset on these guys. So, you know, I know that's not the path they want to take with the team moving forward because they're focused more on winning now. But if they do choose to trade Matisse, um, I will let them focus more on developing these defensive first guys. There's a lot of these guys in the draft, man. Last year there are Kessler Edwards from uh, Pepperdine who went to Brooklyn is another guy. He plays now for Brooklyn. You see how defensively oriented he is. So I hope they figure that out uh, moving forward because you can develop these guys pretty effectively. Yeah. Shara, where can they find you? Uh, you can find me on at the Painted Lines. Uh, just finished an article about uh, the Sixers' needs, obviously. There are plenty of them. Did and, you uh, get a 28-page thesis for college or was it like <laughs> – <laughs> 
this is me watching and just smashing my head every time and be kicked out of a double team and Korkmaz launched it 10 feet I, over the I can't watch Korkmaz anymore. I can't do it. No, anymore. man, it's bad. It's but bad. I, I'm the beat. I'm the beat writers I, I'm close with. Every time he misses a three, I'll turn to them. They'll be like. <laughs> <laughs> and for some reason, Doc thinks he's like the backup point guard of the team. So I don't Which know. tells you how bad they need a fucking backup point guard. Yeah. They need, well, they I, need, I, more than anything, they need shake back. Yeah, I'm not as high on shake as some people are. I wrote about people don't want to hear this name, Corey Joseph. He's playing very well in Detroit. I like Corey Joseph. Yeah. He's a lot. What I wrote about DeLon Wright, who's kind of like falling out of favor in Atlanta. A uh, bigger guy, I can defend. Yeah. Guys, you can target that way. So they're all terms, man. Whatever they want to dress, they're all terms out there. It's just a matter of what they cost. Yeah. He's Tiago Scabia. You can find him on Twitter at T Scabia. Well, no, actually, now it's Tiago PHL. Yeah, I changed. Um, I got to change it on here. Yeah. Yeah. Not, it's more official now. Yeah. Um, find me on Twitter at NBA Krill. I cover the Sixers day to day, painted lines. Cover the NBA for USA Today. I also host this podcast. Tiago writes for the Painted Lines, uh, often one of our best writers. Um, you can follow him, obviously. As always, we appreciate you guys tuning in. Have a good weekend. Enjoy the week. Buckle in. It's going to be a wild trade deadline. Everybody, take care. For sure.